At this point in the history of educational breakthroughs that really matter, growth mindset is one of the most important concepts to help us effectively foster our students' truly meaningful success. Today's guest is Mary Kay Ricci, and she is the perfect person to explain what growth mindset is, what it isn't, and why growth mindset is entirely relevant to any conversation about children's social and emotional learning and their life skills development. Mary Kay Ricci is a lifelong educator, and she has been applying Carol Dweck's growth mindset in classrooms, schools, and school districts since 2009. And what you'll probably notice in this upcoming conversation is that she cares. She really cares about her students, about all of our students, and about how valuable growth mindset is for them and for us. I'll share more information with you about Mary Kay at the end of our conversation, but let's get this party started. Welcome to the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast. My name is Nene White, and I am so glad you're here. I think you will be too. So this is a topic that I love, and I am really enjoying getting to know you, Mary Kay. Thank you for being on this podcast. Thank, oh, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's a it's a wonderful subject, and I love your enthusiasm and your your deep. Uh, dives into the the value of it and the application of it. So we are going to talk about that today. And um, my first question is about kids, young kids who we see as teachers and parents who we know that all kids love new things and new people, but some kids will kind of retreat when there's a challenge or a problem or a difficulty that they feel maybe they can't handle. And some kids don't retreat in those situations. So I want your take and your perspective on those uh, contrasting situations. Yeah, that's a great question because we see it all the time as parents and teachers, but the difference centers around the child's mindset. So some kids apply what we're going to call fixed mindset thinking, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But what that means is when they apply the thinking to situations, um, they will sometimes not even try a challenge because they're afraid of failure or it's a first sign of struggle. They want to quit or as retreat, you say, it's just they they don't want to have anything to do with it because um, their mind is fixed. They think they're not good at it. Um, So a fixed mindset is the belief that your intelligence, your talents, your skills, your strengths, your weaknesses are pretty much what you're born with. In other words, they're innate, they're genetic. You might think, oh, my mom was a great athlete. That's why I am. Or my dad wasn't good in math, so I'm not either. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's that's fixed mindset thinking. The the kids then that do the opposite and welcome the challenge, sort of bring it on. (laughs) They work through the problems. They're applying growth mindset thinking. A growth mindset is the belief that with perseverance, resiliency, a menu of strategies, that we can succeed in just about anything. And just as an aside, the terms fixed and growth mindsets were coined by Carol Dweck, who was a researcher out of Stanford University. So the interesting thing, when I look at fixed and growth mindset, I look at them on a continuum. So... We have kids who are, they apply growth mindset thinking to some situations and fixed mindset thinking to others. And we do that as adults as well. 
Sure. And so there are, you know, there are times in our lives when we say, I could never do that, or I'm terrible at this, or, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blank. Actually, you could fill in the blank, Nini, for me. (laughs) (laughs) You can think of an area, if you don't mind sharing, where you think you have a little bit of a fixed mindset that, um, that you don't think you're particularly good at something or you leave it to somebody else. Um, well, I used to absolutely do that with tech stuff, like mm-hmm. having to do, uh, figure out apps so I could have this conversation with you, et cetera, et cetera. And I actually have seen people who don't freak out, even though the problem is just as, uh, puzzling for them as it has been for me, but they don't, they just sit there. And they just sit there and they try different things. So I've actually gotten way better at things that I thought I couldn't do, which has been fantastic. So it's informed me forward that I could just, you know, chill and persevere. That's but a great math. Yeah. Math, yeah. <laughs> oh, math for the so honest answer. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I was, yeah. And so it's, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, technology, that's one of those areas for me as well. But you said yes. something interesting when you observe people try different things, that's where those strategies come in. And they yeah. try and, and some of us were like, okay, I'll unplug it and I'll plug it back in. <laughs> Let's see if that works. Right. Or, but right. That's a strategy. So, but it's interesting yeah. to say math because math is the area in school where kids tend to have the most fixed way of sure. thinking. They sure. think they're either, they either have it or they don't, um, which is... Um, a shame, but that's why this, this, the importance of teaching kids about growth mindset and parents as well, um, will ultimately help them. Yeah. Which, um, speaking of teaching kids about growth mindset, cause we always think that it's going to be the, the adults that are going to help the kids with mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But then you wrote a book called nothing. You can't do the secret power of growth <laughs> mindsets and you wrote it for kids. I and, did. and, um, I've been able to go through it and I, and I think it's, it's just such a gift for kids, you know, if they can look at that and, and read it and understand, they can understand it. And you made it, one of the many points you make, and, and, and I want to talk about several of them, but was this idea uh, of gifts, oh, you have a gift for math, or you have a gift for dancing, or ungiftedness, and, and how do we how do we unpack that those kinds of understandings and misunderstandings? Um, so that's a very hot topic, and I'm glad it's a yeah. podcast, so no one can throw tomatoes at me or anything. <laughs> but, oh, dear. but I do want to tell you, I've been in the field of gifted for a long time. I taught at Hopkins mm-hmm. in the gifted graduate program. So, you mm-hmm. know, there's a lot of things I've noticed over the years, and one is there's a fact that there is no national standard for identifying kids gifted. So basically you could have one foot in one district and the other foot in another, and one's gifted and one's not. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not to mention that a lot of the identification practices are not really equitable to all children, Mm -hmm. but because of this, and and there's lots of other reasons we have to be careful about only allowing students who made the cut, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm air quoting cut access enriched and accelerated learning So what I'm not saying, I'm not saying that advanced or gifted students should not be challenged in a meaningful way. They absolutely should. But what I am saying is that there are kids who have the passion, the perseverance, the motivation to work side by side with those who are formally identified as gifted. And sometimes we put these gates up because they didn't, their score wasn't high enough or their grade wasn't high enough. So we have a lot of kids who are terribly under challenged. 
And, a, and kids can't build academic resiliency if they are under challenged. There's nothing okay. to bounce back from. They're always, they're just, there's no struggle. It's just easy for them. So yeah. um, the other part of your question is about when we say, oh, here, you must have a gift for math or a gift for art. Things can really backfire when we say that. Um, yes, some kids may have a tendency to have strengths in certain areas. But that potential will go nowhere without hard work, without practice, about, without learning from mistakes along the way. All those things are very, very important. No one was born learning math, knowing math. Right. Nobody was right. born knowing how to play the piano or, or uh, basketball or whatever it is. It takes hard work. So we have to be kind of careful about how we use those words, gift and giftedness. Absolutely. And... Um... I don't like to really talk about myself too much, but this just is so um, such an emotional topic for me because I was uh, shuffled off to the, the dumbest people uh, in my school. Uh-huh. And this was many decades ago, actually. And then as soon as I got out of school, barely graduated from high school, I just went into the libraries and started studying uh, art history and learned all about art history. And then I became a dancer and I just did all these things that you know, who knew? Nobody knew. I didn't even know, you know? And it's just like, oh my gosh, what if we raised kids without these gates that you're you're saying and just went with their, with their instincts and their natural, what they're drawn to. Oh yeah. yeah, What a world. Yeah. That's a great example because um, we do tend to put kids into little compartments and yeah. growth mindset does the opposite. We look at the potential and the possibility mm-hmm. of every child. Mm-hmm. So. And give them the tools to exercise Absolutely. the potential. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's gorgeous. So then in that light, I think one of the tools is that you help kids understand the actual brain science, which is so cool. I just love this because it's, it's science. It's not wishful thinking or positive thinking or any of that. So can you... Give us some brain science that helps us really understand the physicality, the physical reality of what you're telling us about growth mindset. Well, when I work with kids, I love to demonstrate like neural connections in a very hands-on way. And I start this with, I've done with pre-K all the way through high school. Love it. So I always tell the kids they're neurons. Sometimes I have a little neuron for the neurons, which are brain cells, and they all hold a picture Mm -hmm. of a neuron or they pretend they're a neuron. And every time we learn something new, and this is the science behind it, a, a connection yes. is made between neurons. And of course, we have billions of neurons, so we can learn and learn and learn and learn. But that yeah. first connection, when you just start learning something new, is represented by a very thin piece of thread. So with the kids, I kind of string neuron to neuron. And we talk about something new that they've learned to make it very personal. This is a new learning. As they Perfect. practice... And they make mistakes and they figure things out more, but they're not quite there yet. That thread is beginning to change, that connection. It's a little thicker. It's a little stronger. So we represent that with perhaps yarn, which is thicker than thread, but still not as strong as it could be. Then when they've mastered that understanding, that thread becomes a thick, strong piece of rope. (laughs) The connections among the neurons are strong at that point. 
And what I love is when I do this with kids, particularly the little ones, I've heard very interesting, sometimes dramatic uh, comments, like, uh, my head's going to explode, so many neurons are connecting. And then, <laughs> and then one little one said, is that why my head hurts if I think too hard? And, so, and my, one of my favorites, I was at a middle school and teacher was teaching and one of the kids raised their hands and he said, my neurons aren't connecting yet. And he said that instead of saying, I don't understand or whatever. And I thought, wow, he really gets it. And and apparently it was the way they spoke there because the teacher said, okay, let's get those neurons connecting. How can we, you know, and she went and kind of retaught a little bit. So it's a really interesting way for kids to visualize what's going on in their brains. And um, which is important because it gives them the power. That's right. So. Yes. And the, the agency. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. It does. Oh, that's, I, I love that. I love your examples. I love how you physicalize mm-hmm. uh, that thing that's usually so invisible. So let's look at the opposite side. What happens in our brains uh, when, when we give up, when we so when just we, don't yeah. pursue something. So when we give up, the connections between the neurons actually thin. And sometimes they e- even break apart. Um, and this can sometimes happen. We call the summer slide. If kids don't continue to read and, you know, some of the schools, the kids get the math packet in the summer or whatever. And, you know, I'm not going to talk about if that's good or bad, but I will talk about whether or not they have to keep those neurons strong. That's why there's a review period at the end of every, you know, school year. You just can't say, oh, you were Uh there. We have to review a little, get the neurons nice and strong again. But this knowledge for kids is so important because it does help them stay motivated and they realize they're in control of those neural connections. And it's, it's just a great motivator for them. And I was actually, Uh, I was in a classroom once with second graders and they weren't, they were English language learners. And I was going around asking how they were doing with some games and I said, is this easy for you? And this little guy said, it used to be very hard, but now it's easy. And I said, why is it easy now? And he goes, what are those things called? Those numerals are sticking together. And, and even <laughs> though he didn't remember neurons and connecting, conceptually, yeah. he knew what was going on in his brain, which was yes. beautiful. So, Oh, God. And there's the satisfaction for you as an educator. Right. Yep. <laughs> so. Oh, my gosh. It's so beautiful. So beautiful. So what are the most helpful, I guess you have told us a lot of them, uh, what are the most helpful things that you can tell, help kids, you know, so they'll, they'll, they won't quit. They won't quit. So, so you know, quit, one yeah. of the pieces of uh, growth mindset for kids is really teaching them about resiliency. But what happens is mm-hmm. kids think that resiliency means, oh, I corrected that problem that was wrong or whatever. But they really have to conceptually understand what does it mean to be resilient? What does it mean to, you know, come across a wall and have to figure out how to get over it or around it or through it? Um, mm-hmm. Kids need to practice flexibility. Everything's not going to be easy. They need to go with the flow. Practice optimism. Can they see the good in situations? Sometimes kids um, catastrophize mm. situations if they if it's too hard. You know, it's like the end of the world for them. And we yeah. have this is always bad. I can never do yeah, exactly, this. exactly right. Um, and right. then they have what, well, what can they say? Well, instead? what they have to use is use the strategies that they have to overcome the challenge. And one of the things I think is really important is self talk. 
like positive self-talk. Yes. And um, yes. that act of either speaking it aloud can help actually help you solve the problem. Um, breaking it down, making it into smaller chunks. Sometimes we do that as teachers or parents, but do kids know how to take this huge challenge and break it down so it's understandable in little chunks? Um, if it's a long-term project and something they're frustrated and they go home and it's on their mind, I you know, meditation is good. Um, you know, there's so many YouTube videos, but there's also some beautiful apps, Dreamy Kid app and, you know, some other ones where kids can just learn to clear their heads so that they can move on. Sometimes things are so jumbled in our heads, we can't move past the challenge. Of course. And then obviously reflecting on situations, making changes going forward and visualizing those neurons connecting. You know, that's, that's, you know, if I'm stuck and I'm thinking, okay, I got to give my brain a really good workout right now. What's, how can, how am I going to yeah. approach this? So those are just some yeah. ways that kids can, you know, think twice before they quit. Yes. And then um, do you ever recommend taking a break, even though it's, it's not quitting, but it's Absol just oh, absolutely. taking a break? That's one of the uh, ones I recommend almost immediately. I mean, science tells us that taking a break actually increases productivity and creativity. So the trick is yeah. you make it a short break, you know, they say four to seven minutes um oh. not screen time necessarily break you know yep. but the best yep. thing to do yep. is to walk around get water get those you know get your blood flowing a little bit and then come back to it and it's fresh and we do that all the time as adults but sometimes yep. with kids we are like we have the attitude is okay sit there and you know don't get up to you're done and, yeah oh. and that can really backfire on kids because those breaks are so productive so oh yeah. And, and respectful. Yes, they are. They are. <laughs> respectful. Yes. yes. I, that's a big, big, big theme for me uh, in dealing with kids. And I know it is Absolutely. for you as well. Yeah. Um, in chapter seven, you directly related growth mindset to, uh, uh, you took it, you had it directly related it to a lot of things, but also to improving relationships, which I love because this is the big picture social emotional learning podcast. Mm -hmm. So would you like to share about ways in which growth mindset can directly impact friendships and family interactions? Sure. So one of the uh, tenets of a growth mindset is teaching kids how to set goals. And typically when we set goals, they're usually academic goals or sports related goals. Like I'm going to be, you know, not on the bench this year or whatever, or I'm going to be first mm -hmm. uh, string clarinet or whatever, first seat clarinet, whatever. But what we have to do is we can also set goals that speak to social emotional challenges in our lives and our relationships with yeah. others. But the problem is we usually don't know how to set those kind of goals so what we normally do is say, I have a goal saying, I don't, I'm not going to fight with my brother anymore. Well, that's a great yeah. goal, but it's not really the goal that's, that doesn't show the action. So in order to reach that kind of goal, maybe your goal should be, I will walk away from situations that could lead to fighting with my brother. Okay. So, uh, so you, you put, put it, it in, in the, the positive. positive. So not just, I'm not going to, I need the strategies not to fight with my brother. Exactly. So the exactly. question would be then, okay. if I'm working with a child, would walking away from your brother help you not fight with him? It could help a little, unless your brother follows you, and then, then you know, it's not going to work. <laughs> so what other strategies right. could you use? 
So some of the, so, so one of the goals might be, I will not react when he tries to make me mad or I will try to stay out of his business. I worked with a little one once and she said, well, I said, can we say I will stay out of his business? And she goes, let's put try in there. <laughs> I will try to stay out of his oh. business. I won't be mean to my brother. Or when he picks on me, yeah. this is a tough one. I will say something nice to him. So any of those could be the goal. So say you try one and it doesn't work, try a different strategy till you get there. But everything we have, when we set little goals, we need to set them in a social emotional way as well, because that's what helps you get there. You know, I know I told my two of my kids, they're grown now, but two of them were very close in age, my two boys, and they fought like nobody's business in middle school. And, you know, it was a very, you know, and it, I, I learned maybe not as quickly as I should have telling them, please don't fight, just didn't cut it. You know, you have to change your behavior yeah. along the way. So, yeah, and as far yeah. as friendships go, I just want to mention sometimes competition occurs among friends and that kind of causes rifts with a growth mm -hmm. mindset. We should compete against ourselves, not others. So in other words, <laughs> I got this grade on a test or whatever. Next time I'm going to do better. Or I had this SAT score. I'm not trying to beat my friends. I'm going to take it again to improve my score. And so competing mm -hmm. with yourselves is a lot more healthier than competing against others because then it gets, it, you know, you can butt heads and causes some angst with the friendship. Yeah. So. Yeah. Price yes. is too high to ruin a friendship. Yep. Yeah. Good. And so, okay, so we're just about to close, but I want you to, just for fun, tell us about some books that kids would enjoy that have stories that don't lecture, but that just bring home that value, that modeling of growth mindset. Oh, I would love to, because I spend my life reading children's <laughs> literature. Um, so, in fact, I do have a list of 50 picture books and 24 chapter books in one of my teacher books, which is called Ready to Use Resources for Mindsets in the Classroom. And I spent um, much of last year adding to that. So a newer version is going to come out soon, which will have 100 picture books and 50 chapter books. But some of my absolute favorites, picture books, I'll, I'll tell you about picture books first. There's a book called Walk On by Marla Frazzi. And it's a metaphor for learning how to do anything new. Um, a baby learning to walk is the most beautiful example of resiliency. He falls down, he gets up. Mm. He falls down, he gets up. But walk on talks about all the strategies he needs in order to mm. steer away from the fragile things and having the support when you need it and making sure that obstacles aren't in the way. And if you think about it, that is a metaphor for learning anything new. Um, a couple of the other books sure. I love is everything. Everyone can learn to ride a bike, which is exactly what it says. And May Among the Stars, oh. which is the story of May Jamison, who is one of the first um, female astronauts. And the thing that Lou couldn't do is another one I love as well. Chapter books. I love The Long Walk to Water, which is a story of the lost boys of Sudan. And it's just a beautiful oh. book. You talk about determination and perseverance and everything they went through to leave Sudan. It's a wonderful story. Um, if your child likes graphic novels, there's a book called New Kid by Jerry Craft. And it's um, about a new kid in a school. And he's in a private school. And oh. he's a child of color. And there's not a lot of kids like him there. And it talks about how he navigates that. Um, and then finally, I love the book called um, Nowhere Boy by Catherine Marsh, which is a story of a young man who has to also escape 
some hardships and, and what becomes of him. Um, so there's just, there's so, there's so many books. I could go on and on, but I won't. <laughs> oh, 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 God, I could listen to you for because I love mm-hmm. books like that. I mean, they just give you energy. And when you can share that with kids and maybe in the middle of the book, you know, Absolutely. have conversations and, and oh, it's so. Yeah. And there's a lot. Valuable. I mean, honestly, so there's a valuable. lot of biographies about like um, Jackie Robinson yes. and um, Ada Lovelace. And there's a lot of, you know, biographies, kid versions that kids that where people just had to overcome so many obstacles and they're beautiful stories for talking about growth mindset. So would somebody go to your website? I don't, I don't have be them able on to my get website, that... but um, I will at some point. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, anyone can, okay. from my website, you can email me or message me and I'll be happy to share some with you. And then like, and, and if anyone okay. has ready to use resources, not only is the list there, but it even gives you questions to ask about the book growth mindset related questions oh. and evidence from the text and such. So. Perfect. So I'm, I'm going to put your website in mm-hmm. the show's notes, but I will just say that it's Mary K Ricci, M A R Y C A Y R I C C I.com. Right. Okay. So thank you. This is so important and so inspiring and i love your love of this subject and your clarity of uh communicating it is there anything else you want to share i do want to say i've been in education a long time i've raised three kids and there's nothing i've seen after all these years that has such had such a positive impact on kids um as this we're asking people to look at kids through a different lens and it's that lens of potential Mm -hmm. And I just feel like um, if there's yeah. a, nothing else we can give our kids, this would be it. And um, that's one of the reasons I wrote the kids book, which is really for grades three to seven, um, but it's very interactive. And I really want kids to, to really wrap their head around what it means to have a growth mindset. Absolutely. Very profound. Thank you. Thank you, Mary Kay. Thank you. Well, All right. Bye. Talk soon. Thank you. Okay. So, is your brain feeling a little more open to possibilities? Would you like to learn more from Mary Kay? Good, because she loves hearing from educators who have embraced a growth mindset. So, you should really feel free to contact her. I've put some links in the show's notes, including her website, where you can learn more about her really helpful books. Also, you should really check out the show's notes because I've included a short video of a kitten demonstrating the most admirable growth mindset. It is so so wonderful. I think I've watched it like five times. (laughs) Um, Okay, so thank you for being here. guess that's it remember to rate us and give us a review if you if you have the time and the bandwidth we'd really appreciate it okay till next time <laughs>